Welcome to BOGSCAST, where faculty and staff at the BOG Center on Developmental Disabilities explore best practice, showcase success stories, and help listeners envision possibilities for innovation through interviews with state and national experts. Part of Rutgers Robert Wood Johnson Medical School, the BOG Center is New Jersey's University Center for Excellence in Developmental Disabilities and Leadership Education in Neurodevelopmental Disabilities Program. I'm Jessica Short, Training and Consultation Specialist. In this episode, we'll be discussing community engagement supporting a meaningful life with Abby George. Abby George began her professional career as a special education teacher, but quickly realized she wanted to make an impact in the adult population of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Abby started as an employment consultant at SEEK in Silver Spring, Maryland in 2014, and has become a subject matter expert in customized employment. Currently, she is in the role of customized employment mentor, where she gets to share her expertise with all programs at SEEK and help staff understand that employment skills are vital for everyone, not just those receiving employment services. Welcome, Abby, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I want to start off by talking about the organization you work with, SEEK. SEEK is a progressive nonprofit agency located in Maryland, providing a wide range of community supports to help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities live lives of their choosing. I first became aware of SEEK at a conference in 2018, where I listened to a presentation about how SEEK's day services were provided completely in the community. Let's start there, SEEK's day services. What prompted the move away from facility-based to community-based services? Um, in short, we just thought it was the right thing to do. <laughs> um, you know, we really, uh, our, our acronym SEEK stands for Seeking Equality Empowerment in the Community, right? So um, we say community in our name and we really wanted to kind of live that mission um, and be authentic about it. So, um, you know, we thought that's where people should be, uh, thriving members of their communities. So that's great. And and the acronym again is what is the acronym again? So it's changed a little bit over the years, but back when when this major organizational change was happening, it was seeking equality and empowerment in the community. We have substituted one of the E's now for employment because that's nice. our our next big mission. <laughs> Very nice. Thanks. That's great. I I was so excited about SEEK when I heard about them, but I never really knew what the acronym was for. <laughs> so that process, that process that SEEK went through, moving from facility-based to community-based services, what do you feel were the most important parts or the most important steps that the organization needed to take for that move? Well, it was it was bringing people along, I think was the first major obstacle. Um, and of course, I've only been at SEEK since 2014, so I wasn't here when all of this was taking place, but um, I, I've talked to a lot of people with institutional knowledge who were and were part of this huge change. And 
without a doubt, the, the number one thing that they say is, is bringing people along, right? It's, it's bringing the first conversation was with DDA, like, Hey, we're, we no longer want to do facility-based stuff. We want to get people out in their communities. So, you know, that was kind of the first conversation. And then it was with staff, um, because I mean, that was a huge culture shift at that time, right? Moving out of facilities and, Oh, I have to, go into the community now and what am I supposed to do all day right um and I think families were and and people we support were probably the the biggest um obstacle or or kind of challenge that we had um really getting people to buy into this philosophy that people belong in their communities um people uh, I talked to my colleague Steve Blanks about this at length and he said a concern of a small group of families was my child's going to die. Like if, if they're not taken care of, if they're not in a safe bubble in this facility that they have been in, if they're outside in their communities, you know, riding the bus or taking classes, they're going to die. You know, there's that, that safety net that a facility brings that, you know, that the unknown of the community doesn't provide. Um, so that was a real challenge. And, you know, we laid out plans, we talked about, here's exactly what we're going to do tomorrow, right? It was, I mean, we had the long term conversation too, but like, what does my child's day look like tomorrow, right? What does this mean for us? Um, so it was, that was step number one, is just buy in and communication you know, ad nauseum. <laughs> That's great. I mean, so that, that buy-in is so important. So DDA, DDA, I guess, is your, your state entity. Yes. In Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. There are our state funding, um, uh, entity. Yeah. Okay. So um, getting them on board, then getting staff on board, then getting families and, and individuals on board. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I, I, that buy-in is so important. Absolutely. I mean, and that's, that's with any major change, right? I mean, this was a major change, but um, it's with anything that you, you've got to bring people along. You can't just, um, you know, bamboozle them with, hey, we're going to change the way we operate and we're going to change what this looks like. And you know what? Some people were fully against it, right? And they, and they weren't going to get over it. And that's, and that's fine, right? We had, SEEK had to be okay with losing some people as a result of this. Um, and out of the, I don't know, 100, 125 people we were supporting at that time, only, we only lost like six to eight people that we supported. So, you know, again, with all the communication we were doing and all the information sharing and and really listening that was a big part of it too it wasn't just one-way communication we were really listening to the fears and the apprehensions of families and people we support um but out of all of that yeah we only lost you know a handful of, of people um and that's okay right they just that at that time it wasn't right for them it wasn't right for their family and that's okay we have to you have to kind of be flexible about that that's great. I mean, those numbers are pretty good. And so Seek decided that this was the the route that they were going to take. This was the avenue that we were going to they were going to take. Yeah. Um so basically, so once once Seek was like, okay, community it is. We just hit hit the ground running and um we actually just stopped admitting people into our facility-based 
program, our, our day program, we just stopped admitting people, right? Because it's too much, it's too much to do while you're bringing new people on with the expectation that their lives are going to look a certain way in the, the existing structure that we had when we were catapulting towards a totally different way. So we just said, you know what? not accepting people for a little while. We're going to figure this out on our own. Um, and so the way we approached it is, you know, of course, we're based in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is right outside of Washington, D.C. It's a huge county, very populous. Um, and we're very fortunate that there are lots of things to do here. Um, but what we did is we um, we broke the county down into kind of smaller regions right so we did it like geographically so kind of by city right so we did like silver spring that's that's the actually the team that we piloted first but now we have five geographic teams um so it's a little bit easier to manage right that rather than you know thinking about the whole entire community um but we piloted our silver spring team um because that's the community that we knew the best that's where seeks headquarters were um you know that's where we figured out what staff lived there. We paired them up with people. We were really intentional about that piece. Um, and then we, you know, went out and did things in Silver Spring. <laughs> well, and that, that kind of leads me into this next question. Um, so your services in at SEEK are, they're called community engagement? Uh, yeah, our, our, day program is called community engagement right so we are we're really intentional about putting that word in the title of our department right because that's what people are doing we they're engaged in their communities in a in a meaningful way great and how is the community utilized when providing those services so you said silver springs is the pilot mm -hmm. and <laughs> I guess that's the thing, like that that pilot, how did that pilot start? You talked about um, teams. So the staff works as a team? Yeah, so um, the structure, we have a, a team coordinator, um, a team lead, right? Um, and then we have our direct support professionals under them. And then um, I don't I don't know what the ratio was at that time, but now it's, it's usually one to two, one to three three at the most. Um, and we tried to group people kind of by similar interest, right? So these folks love to be active. They like to like work out, exercise, that kind of thing. These folks like to be more indoors, you know, maybe they're uh, a little more introverted, more studious <laughs> or whatever it may be. Um, these people like to learn and take classes and try new things. So we try to group them kind of with similar interests um, so that we could create schedules that were person-centered. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of just um, had people brainstorm, right? And, and knowing what's in your community, doing some research um, is of course vital to, to providing quality community-based services. Um, but yeah, people kind of went out. We have a, a great local um, a public library in Silver Spring. We have a really active downtown restaurants and all sorts of stuff. We have great parks around Silver Spring. So it was just, you know, um, we weren't too prescriptive about you need to 
from nine to 10, you're doing this, from 10 to 11, you're doing this, right? We said, just go out, right? Go see what's around, go explore, go hang out, go spend some time in the park. Um, and that was kind of how it started. And then as we became more familiar and made more connections, especially relationships are so important to quality community engagement, but then we got more intentional about it, right? So, you know, we can take a class here. There's a community garden here, um, you know, so you can start to pinpoint things specifically that that people can become involved in. But initially it was just like, yeah, go out and find some stuff to do. <laughs> that's great. But I mean, that's a great start. It's, it's you know, be be in the community, be out there. Working and providing services in the community definitely requires a lot of autonomy and, yes. and independence on the part of DSPs. So has the recruitment process for DSPs changed with the shift to the community engagement program? Yes and no. Um, so of course, yeah, like back then, um, facilities were kind of the norm right if you worked in the idd industry in this in this field you probably worked in a facility um and so people were coming with that type of experience but i think you know we try to be really open and honest and targeted in our interview process right so we say like hey this is what seek is about um you know we're fully community based we believe in person centeredness and um you know the person is the captain of their ship we're just the vessel by which <laughs> you know they live their best lives um so we make it really clear up front that you're not going to be in a facility. You're not going to be like kind of sitting somewhere all day. Um, you know, we believe in in impactful lives for people. But I would say um, what we look for in staff is different. Um, we don't necessarily like we don't we don't need you to have experience working with people with disabilities. Like that's by no means a prerequisite for us. We look for people who are um outgoing who are curious that's a that's a big personality trait that we look for in people like are you curious do you want to know more about the person you support do you want to know more about you know how to help them communicate better do you want to know more about the community in which they live um curiosity is a big thing for us you know outgoing do you do you utilize your network and your relationships in your own life right if you if you're, you know, super introverted or or you don't like to kind of go out and get to know people, then that role might not be best for you. Cause that's again, like you said, we're very um autonomous. We're we're kind of out there all day. <laughs> very rarely do you see um a lot of staff in one place at one time. So yeah, I would say it's more the the type of person, the personality that we look for rather than you know, skills or experience. We can teach all of that. We can teach skills, but we can't teach you to be curious. I, I think that's such a great point is that, you know, especially in our fields, right? In human services, we kind of look for these specific standards of uh, almost boxes to check, right? Yeah. But the personality is something that you can't really train <laughs> like really looking at the aspects that you can train and the skills that you can train 
but the other aspects that kind of innate personality for for the job that that outgoing personality that person that's able to support the person out in the community to build those relationships yeah and we always talk about our recruitment efforts like where where are we recruiting from what pool like what different place like what's the most creative place we can hang up a flyer right (laughs) um and you know we've talked about like well what are professions like if we're looking at someone's resume how can you tell if someone is curious or outgoing or whatever and we're like well what type of professions require that right and it's usually like you know bartenders they always have to kind of work people and have to be curious about people right um hairdressers right you go to the barber shop or you go to the hair salon and it's just talk 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 right right um, so yeah it's so we we very rarely look at the experience it's more about again personality because you can't teach that that's great that's great and that idea of curiosity i think that's that's a really great point especially when getting to know the individuals and i think let's talk about that. How important is getting to know the person that you're supporting when it comes to the community engagement services? And and what are some of the tools that SEEK uses to kind of discover who the person is? That's the most important part of being a direct support professional is you have to be an expert on the person that you support. Um, And we do that in a variety of ways. Um, Again, that curiosity really plays into it. You have to, um, especially if the person doesn't communicate using words or they have an alternative communication style that they use, um, that information doesn't always flow from you know, if a staff leaves and a new staff comes in or, (laughs) um, and so you have to be really intentional about, I have to be able to communicate with this person first and foremost. Um, so we, that's a tool that we use. We have a communication assessment, which we use for, for people supported. Um, and you know, it's, do they communicate using words? Do they use sign language? Do they have their own signs they use? Do they use gestures? You know, and what what do those look like and how do I recognize when this person needs or wants something or is trying to tell me something we also use like interest inventories, skill inventories for new people who are coming in and they're working with a brand new person who they've never met before what's a good starting place right what what is this person interested in if they're not um you know, if they like to be around people all the time, probably taking a, a walk in the park by themselves isn't meaningful to them. That's not how they want to spend their days. Um, you know, or if they hate coffee, why are we taking them to Starbucks every day? <laughs> um, so um, it's just, yeah, kind of a baseline interest inventory you know I like to have lunch with friends or I like to read books or I like to watch movies or whatever it may be um and that serves two purposes like a it gives us kind of some activities to try some ideas to fill up that schedule but it creates a conversation piece too so you know if they like to read books and magazines oh 
what's your favorite book or magazine, right? Let's start a conversation about it. You're, um, you're engaging them in a different way. So yeah, those are kind of the, the baseline tools that we use. So it sounds like Seek is really intentional from every aspect when it comes to the community engagement services, from the staff that are going to be providing the service to the individuals that they're matched with and the communities that they're working in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the biggest factors that we consider is is relationships and networks. Um, we really pride ourselves on being an active part of our community um, rather than just being an entity in the community. Um, and so we're all about relationships and we've, we've over the past couple of years done like neighborhood walks with Neighbors Inc. in New Jersey. Um, and so they've really taught us like how to be really observant and to, I mean, it's, it's not a crazy concept, right? It's not like there's a checklist or anything that you have to do. It's literally just getting out in your immediate community and just like talking to people, right? Being curious and, and making connections. And that's um, that's how we want people to spend their days is getting to know people in their communities and for them to know the people we support too. Right. So engaging their communities. Engaging yeah. <laughs> people in their communities. What a great concept. <laughs> have there been times where staff have tried something with an individual that an individual said they would be interested in, but then it wasn't a great success. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't Talk have a great every time. single one of our staff <laughs> <laughs> and every member of our employment team. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting too, right? Because I think you know, a lot of people we support or a handful of people we support, we support are hesitant to try new things because they're very routine oriented and this is all they've ever known this is all they've ever had exposure to um and so a lot of times they're not willing to go outside their their comfort zones um we just kicked off this person-driven technology pilot at seek um using ipads and when we did our kind of kickoff event we we have seven uh, people we support and their staff participating in the pilot and after the kickoff event we would go and talk to people and say how's it going how are we using the ipad and staff is like they don't care about it like they do not want it at all <laughs> there's nothing that they want to be a part of on this ipad and so i think the key in in any situation like that is making it meaningful to the person um so you know with the ipad right this you think this communication app is going to open this person's eyes and they're going to be so into it. And it's like, well, they've had this, their own communication pattern for, you know, their 45 years that they've been alive. <laughs> they don't want to try a new communication method that does, it's not meaningful to them. They've been able to get what they want for 45 years using the way that they communicate. Let's find a different way to make it impactful to them. It's all a learning experience too, right? So we learn from that, like communication app, not gonna work for her. She doesn't, she doesn't care about it. She already communicates, um, but let's find a different way to make it meaningful. And that's something I think we, a lesson we all, you know, need to remember sometimes that even, even if something doesn't go the way we expect it, right? We still learn something from it. 
right? We learn that we don't try that again, or we learn, <laughs> right. that, we learn that they like this part about it, but not this part about it, you know? Absolutely. Failure is what drives us, honestly. Um, you know, we, we really, again, pride ourselves in being creative and trying out of the box things. And if they don't work, it's cool. Like we've learned, let's remember that next time and let's try a different way. That's great. And I think that's really important for an organization as a whole to understand and internalize. <laughs> um, you brought up technology. And so let's talk about that. How important is technology when it comes to providing effective community-based supports in the community engagement program? Yeah. Um, so this is something we're just kind of switching our focus to now. Um, so as of now, like all of our staff have um, iPhones that they use, they all have either a tablet or a laptop. Um, and so, you know, they use that to kind of do on the spot stuff, right? So if the person decides, hey, this afternoon, I want to go watch a movie. Okay, let's look it up right now and see like what we can do. Um, it's huge in travel training, right? So we're really fortunate to have a great public transportation system um, in Montgomery County. It is very confusing though. <laughs> so it's good. We have an app um, that's developed strictly for this area um, for public transportation. So we use that to plan routes. Um, we teach people, you know, if they have a smartphone, you can, if you're on the bus, you can follow along and each uh, stop on the bus goes gray as soon as it's passed so you can kind of know when to get off um, pull the chain um, but I would say we're going to be a lot more intentional in the next several months about using technology especially as it relates to people being independent um, in this industry and I mean again we struggle with it too is we're so the people we support we support are so cue dependent right? They're always looking to their staff to say, tell me what to do next, right? But we want to get away from that, right? Because, you know, people want to live independent lives. Um, and who are we to, to kind of step into that role of, of being their, their spokesperson? Um, and so, you know, we're working towards people um, using iPads to order their lunch or order their coffee or go shopping online or um, watch YouTube videos about a, a topic that they're interested in, as opposed to us doing that for them. It's twofold, right? It takes the pressure off of us as staff and it takes, um, it, it's a little, more, little bit more efficient <laughs> because right. we're not always having to step in and say, no, don't do this, do it that way. Or tell the person, hello, they said hello to you or tell the person your order, right? That's so, we're giving so much information and so much direction. How do we take that role off of us and put it on the person we support, right? Um, but it's it's hard to unlearn that behavior, right? Yeah. Learned helplessness is real and we do it to ourselves, right? We We are the cause of that and so it's having to unlearn that behavior about um, always directing the person to do something and letting them do it themselves. Right. All right. So since your area of expertise is customized employment, I would really like to discuss your thoughts about how community-based supports and services impact 
employment for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities? Yeah, um, they go hand in hand, honestly. Employment is a part of a meaningful life, right? It's, it's a part of being in our communities. We work and, and live and thrive in our communities. Um, so I think the two go hand in hand. Um, there are so many employment skills that you can build during your day in the community that can be directly applied to a job search or discovery. So, you know, I always like to use the example of, um, you know, even if a person uh, isn't quote unquote ready for work, if they're not interested in work, we can still build up skills um, just by doing kind of everyday things. So, um, you know, if we take uh, uh, swim lessons, right? So the person, you know, goes swimming, that's their recreation during the day, um, you know, they have to go in, they have to usually greet someone, maybe at the front desk, they have to pay their money. Um, uh, they have to, at least at our swim center locally, it's multi-level, so you have to navigate. <laughs> um, you know, you have to get changed beforehand. Um, so, I mean, just in going swimming, right, we covered like kind of four or five skills. So talking to people, that's, you know, interaction, social skills money management, right? I have to uh, either know how to use my card, I have to swipe it, or if I'm using cash, I have to make sure I have enough to give the person, right? So there's some kind of financial literacy there. Navigation, I have to kind of know how to get around places, um, uh, making sure I'm, I have all my, I have my towel, I have my goggles, I have my swim cap, <laughs> you know, I have the correct bathing suit. Um, you know, so those are all things that could be directly applied to looking for a job. Um, so we work, I think, really intentionally about, um, and I'll talk about this, this specific team in a, in a minute that does this really well, but they look, they break down kind of like a task analysis for each um, activity that they do. And they say, what are the skills associated with this? And what do I need to know going in, right? So if the person I support isn't, um, or doesn't use, uh, words to communicate, how am I going to greet somebody, right? Do I practice giving a wave? You know, do I smile, right? It's, there's some coaching that goes along with that. Um, so would they work really intentionally about the skills that are built into each of these activities? That's great. Really intentional with the skill building with community, with the community engagement program and being out in the community just in general, do you find that with the community engagement program, uh, people are broadening their networks of, of who they know in the community? Absolutely. And that's a huge part of that's, that's why we're so intent on making or helping people cultivate relationships, because how do you get a job? It's through networking, <laughs> right? You, I, it's like, there's some statistic out there that says, um, like 80% of people get their jobs through people that they know <laughs> um, or something like that. But yeah, that's why relationships are so important. A, it's skill building, right? You can work on your social relationships, getting to know new people, how to have conversations, um, how to stay on topic when you're having conversations. You might start spending time with that person. Uh, maybe they're teaching you a skill or something new. Um, 
so that's why relationships are kind of the bedrock of of our community engagement program that's wonderful what advice what advice would you give to an agency wanting to move from facility-based services to community-based services this is probably going to be frustrating <laughs> but um just do it right <laughs> um just just do it right so um but start small right so again we piloted uh, a group of five or ten people first um to to go out and kind of be in their communities um but we just decided to do it right because there's that saying you know if you if you wait until you're ready to do something you're never going to do it. There's never, there's never going to be enough processes, enough structures in place to make you feel like you are ready to move from a facility-based program to community-based, but you will learn along the way, right? It's not like it went perfectly smooth for us. It did not. <laughs> um, there were lots of bumps along the way, but we took them and we discussed them and we learned from them and then we did better and eventually we got really good at what we were doing um so i would say again you know we just kind of cut off our services and said at least for our facility-based one and we said we're not accepting new people for that here's the direction we're taking let's work on this in-house but we went out and did it you made the decision you had the mission, you knew the why of what you were doing and seek move forward. And that was, that was the direction they were taking and that's where it was going. Yeah. Again, I mean, we figured out that like, we're doing people a disservice by, by keeping them in a facility all day. Um, I mean, and it's really about putting yourself in that person, uh, in that person's shoes too. Like, would do we want to kind of just be sitting in a place all day with white walls and you know doing puzzles or whatever it may be probably not um for most of us and so why would we if we wouldn't find it acceptable for ourselves why would we find it acceptable for the people that we support um they deserve full rich lives too so yeah to to i guess piece of pieces of advice just do it but start small and communicate, communicate, communicate. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think that's huge too. The idea of communication and the idea that being open to learning from things that don't go well. I think that's huge. Administratively, being ready for, it's not always going to go as you planned. And what do you take away from that? Yeah, most of the time it's not going to go as you planned. <laughs> um, and you can have every process written, you can have the structure put in place, but when you apply real life to that, it, you can see how quickly it it kind of falls apart. So I say, um, build processes and structures as you go. Abby, I cannot thank you enough. That was this was so informative. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. This was fun. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bogscast, a podcast by the Bog Center on Developmental Disabilities. A full transcript of this episode can be found at thebogcenter.podbean.com. 
Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming service to stay up to date with the newest episodes. To learn more about the Bog Center, visit our website at bogcenter.rwjms.rutgers.edu and follow us on Facebook at the Bog Center on Developmental Disabilities.